Welcome to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast, where we discuss how the gospel brings us together and keeps us together. We are your hosts, Kenny King. And I'm William Marshall, and we want to encourage Christians to think through how our lives and our churches can be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of the Diversity and Fellowship podcast. Today, we have a treat for you. We are interviewing um, Pastor yes. Isaac Adams. He is the lead pastor of Iron City Church in Birmingham, Alabama, uh, where he lives with his wife and children. He's also served as a pastor at Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. He is the founder of United We Pray. Check that out at uwepray.com. And he is um, devoted to praying about racial strife, especially between Christians. This is why he founded United We Pray. Mm. My brother has also written a book that has just been released titled Talking About Race, Gospel Hope for Hard Conversations. So we are thankful that he has decided to join us and we hope to glean from his wisdom that the Lord has given him. So. Let's lean in. Yes. Sounds yeah. good. Yeah. So, brother, uh, let's just begin, just for all of our listeners, tell us just a little bit about yourself, just background, ministry, what you're doing now, Yeah, you know, just basics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, so, Ken, I mean, Kenny hit a lot of the highlights, but Isaac Adams, pastor in Birmingham, Alabama, never thought I'd move down here. I'm not from here. I'm not from the South. Uh, I did not want to move to the South, wow, okay. uh, not to, not to offend you guys, uh, but I don't even know what Missouri considers itself. So y'all, y'all we, we got y'all a Southern feel to it. Yeah. Okay. That's we're kind of tweeners, yeah. you know, we're a little different, you know, so. <laughs> that's right. Is it Midwest? Is it South? Um, and I think, I mean, just, just to dive in on the stuff we were talking about, I remember, so my mom is one of the godliest people I know. Mm. I remember telling her, uh, hey, mom, I think I found a church. And she was thrilled, you know, praise God. And she said, where is it? I said, it's in Birmingham. And she's, she, <laughs> she's extremely meek. I'll never forget this one. Oh, and she said, Isaac, I told the Lord I would never step foot in that city after the, after what they did to those four little girls. Oh, oh yeah. Wow, man. And you know, my mom is old enough to be one of those girls. Mm. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm not even sure. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I texted my senior pastor at the time because uh, he was like, how to go talking to your mom. I said, well, we're off to a great start. Um, <laughs> and, uh, um, yeah, man. I mean, but I think in God's providence, ministering in a city that's known for so many of the things we're going to be talking about, that was exactly where he would have me be. Uh, yeah. I think I had more of a Jonah attitude than a Christ-like attitude coming. But uh, I think in the Lord's grace, it's been a wonderful transition. So married for married to Megan. Uh, we got three little kiddos. Um, so we're sleepy. Um, <laughs> right, sleepy. right. Yeah, but the Lord's been faithful. You talked about United We Pray. Uh, and we could talk about that more. But I mean, those are the highlights uh, for sure. So right. that's good. So uh, in the book, you are it's talking about having better conversations about race. Um, why do you think that's so important for us to do that today in this culture? Yeah, I mean, I think it's important because Jesus said our witness to the watching world is important. Mm-hmm. So in John 13, 35, Jesus says, by this, 
the world will know you are my disciples. So the the authentication uh, of our discipleship uh, depends on our love for one another. And if we are just estranged and don't know one another, uh, that doesn't say much to the world about Jesus and his power. Yeah. Uh, you know, if we all just look the same, talk the same, it's like, well, these people would probably be hanging out even if Jesus wasn't in the picture. Right. Right. Uh, and so, you know, and then, you know, just a few chapters later, John 17, I mean, this is incredible before he is murdered, Jesus is praying for us. I mean, just that alone. And then he's praying for our unity so that the world might believe the father sent the son. Yes. And I mean, that's incredible. And so there really is, you know, I often say, if you care about evangelism, then you need to care about racism Mm. uh, because this is our witness to the watching world. And so we would like for the world to believe that the father sent the son. And this is why Satan is so deeply invested in keeping us segregated, keeping us uh, hostile toward one another, keeping us filled with animosity uh, so that the world might not see that witness. Yeah. So that's what's at stake in the conversation. And I think people often feel as if it's just, well, power's at stake. Who, who's going to be in control of the rhetoric and control of, you know, school curriculum. And I'm just like, y'all are just playing, playing like minor league at that point. It's just not, you're not even on the right playing field. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so that's, what's at stake. Yeah, you talk about uh, there's a part in the book where you you one of the characters is saying just preach the gospel, right? And right. And my response to people who say that is, well, you know, Jesus has tied the unity of the church to the gospel. Amen. Like you're you're you're, right. you're trying to divorce the two in John 17. Jesus is connecting the two, and so that's right. That's why, right. why would well, you okay. <laughs> why why would you say just preach the gospel as if this is not a gospel issue? That's right. right. And yes, that amen. And I don't, the only thing I'd add is Jesus himself talked about justice and Jesus didn't just tell us to just preach the gospel. Jesus told us to make disciples and teach them all the things I commanded you. Yes, that's right. Including, uh, and I read it today in my quiet time that we ought not to, to neglect these things. He said, these you, you should have done without neglecting the others. Yes. Mm-hmm. Justice, faithfulness, love, mercy. Mm-hmm. And we need to teach our people those things. Yeah, Amen. Well, so the book is kind of broken up into two parts. And uh, in part one of the book, you kind of you kind of start a racial you, you begin with a racial tragedy. Uh, so yes. like we've yeah. had uh, in our country over these last um, well uh, several years in particular that have kind of really caught our attention. And so mm-hmm. you, you begin with a tragedy like that and then you kind of walk through several responses to this tragedy from uh, kind of various viewpoints. Uh, those who are in the uh, majority of the you know kind of the majority group, those who are in the minority group, uh, and mm-hmm. you kind of look at just different characters and how they respond. Uh, that's that's what kind of happens so that our readers kind of understand. It's a very different approach. It wasn't necessarily what I expected when I picked up the book. Yeah. So, but it's great. I mean, it was really, really helpful. I thought it was engaging. You know, it was just very interesting. I was like, what is this guy going to say? And how's this guy going to respond? And then, uh, and so what, what kind of encouraged you to kind of take that approach with the book? Yeah, it's funny, man. This keeps coming up, and I feel like this book is like a meal 
like a pie or something mm. and people like put their fork in and got something different they liked it but it was different sure. than they expected <laughs> uh so uh a, a few thoughts one was stories are incredibly incredibly powerful yeah. there's a reason jesus tells so many of them i mean how much of his teaching was uh, let me tell you all this story. The kingdom of God can com be compared to blank or, you know, uh, insert your parable. And the best stories are not just stories, they're mirrors. They, they show us ourselves. They show us uh, our enemies and these things like that. And so that's why in 2 Samuel 12, when Nathan is talking to David, uh, David doesn't even realize he's the villain before he's all in on the story. And I was hoping for some of that kind of effect. And beyond that, I, I was talking to a pastor um, once who I was talking kind of about the book or some version of the book a long, long time ago. And I was kind of using the labels conservative or whatever. And he's like, don't do that. Like people are more than their labels. And why don't you just tell me this is Tim, this is Tom here's what they think. Mm -hmm. And so I wrote an article once kind of taking that avenue and it seemed to do really well. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I was like, well, why don't, I, why don't I try to expand the book with that kind of method, right? That kind of entry point. Mm -hmm. uh, because stories, you can say a lot in fiction that you you just can't in kind of nonfiction didactic, you know? Right. And so what I'm trying what I'm trying to do with these stories is provide kind of mini parables and then come in as the pastor and say, okay, here, right. here's how I would counsel this character as if I was their pastor, because I think the race conversation has tons of prophets uh, and some are better than others. Uh, and I, I thank God for that. And even, you know, brothers as pastors, readers speak where you are to speak prophetically. Um, but uh, so the conversation has tons of prophets, but I fear that it has few pastors, Yeah, few mm -hmm. people who are abiding by 2 Timothy 2.24. The Lord's servant must be kind to everyone, mm. not everyone who's, who happens to share our political sympathies or our ideologies, but everyone. Mm -hmm. And that's what I'm trying to do in this right. book is just be kind to everybody mm -hmm. as we talk about these things and, you know, punch left, punch right and try to see the truth as I see scripture uphold it. So that, so that's really, really what, what led to that kind of angle is like, I think these stories will provide um, a way to get at these things in a fresh way, but it's funny, man, I'll tell you. Um, I'm sorry. There's a long answer. I told no, you you're good. You're fine. Are you good? You're, fine. Yeah. you're a pastor, brother. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, I'm not preaching on Sunday, so I got to preach. There it is. Got to uh, get it in. Yeah. We got to um, get it in. Right. Right. Um, but it, it is funny, man. I, I sent some drafts. I sent a lot of people read the book in draft form, people who agree with me and people who don't. Um, and I thought it would be the, cause the kind of second half of the book, there's some more straightforward kind of didactic sure. stuff. And I thought that stuff was the gold and they were everyone who read it was like, Hey, second half is fine. You know, good stuff. It's the story that is the keeper. Mm, and yeah. so I just, just the publish, we moved it up and yeah. Mm. And so, Thus, yeah. this story. Yeah, and I think that I mean I think that really makes it unique. You know, I mean, yeah. and it kind of sets it apart. And it's like you said, it allows you to do some things with the characters that you just can't really do with the didactic, straightforward. Okay, that's right. You know, and so I thought that was great. Yeah, it was really cool. Bless the Lord. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So um, one of the one of the characters you have is Hunter. Hunter is a is a white man, part of the majority culture. 
And um, in, in that, his your counsel towards him, you talk about him needing to consider historical asymmetry. It's kind of a new word, new way to put that new new phrase that I came across. And um, so, how how can you help those in the majority in you know kind of view historical asymmetry when their conversations about race? Yeah. So you know you've got Hunter. I would describe him kind of well-meaning, conservative white brother who's just trying to wrap his mind around these issues. And he's kind of feeling like the world is saying like, man, be quiet and listen to black people, right? Yeah. Uh, and he's wondering why. And, uh, you know, someone take issue with that, but it's still a legitimate question in his mind and a block a kind of hurdle he's trying to get over, right? And so I bring up this uh, kind of kind of to say, okay, like we're going to have a conversation. Who should speak first? Who should listen first? And why? Now, on one level, you could say, well, it doesn't matter. Well, maybe it does matter more than we would think. So I bring up uh, what, you know, I'm calling historical asymmetry to say uh, perhaps the reason Hunter, I think, would think, I, I think Hunter thinks that he should he should shut up and listen to black people because black people know more because, you know, he's white and therefore he's wrong uh, or whatever it is when that's not the case. Actually, what if he should listen first, not because black people know everything, spoiler alert, we don't, but because black voices have been marginalized for so long. Mm. And so if Hunter only thinks about this as in an individual capacity, this is just a one-on-one conversation. He's going to miss this point. Um, but you know, Darius, the other, the other character who's black in the story, he's not necessarily thinking of it as just this one-on-one conversation. He's thinking of, this is how your community has historically treated my community. It's Mm, disregarded our opinions. It's shunted us off to the side. It's put us in these crappy neighborhoods, whatever it may be. And so Hunter ought to realize, and it's what I really get at, it's ironic we're having this conversation right now. What I really get at is, you know, white folks were like, why is there a Black History Month? Why, yeah, why, yeah why, right. Why is What's going on with that? That right. seems that seems partial. Doesn't James 2 tell us to not be partial? Mm. Um, well, uh, there is a there's we center on Black history in this month precisely because Black history has been so ignored throughout mm. the other 11 months. Right. And we'd right. say we'd like to especially celebrate this kind of history because there is an imbalance that we recognize mm. that we're trying to correct and none of us in a fallen world are going to get it right but we at least should try yes. and so it's that kind of historical asymmetry understanding that hey historically this community has not had the microphone and we're going to let them have the microphone first uh and that actually might teach us some things first so that's uh, you know, it's it's tricky, right? It's a historical judgment we're making, but I find that even in, even the most hostile conversation partner is going to have some, you just, the, on one level, you have to deal with fact, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's the judgment, I think, uh, that's fair to render in terms of history mm-hmm. yeah. in, uh, in large swaths and having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought as a majority culture reader, whatever that, however you term that, but um, you just call yourself a white guy, a white dude, dude right? <laughs> I mean, I want to just like, can I just say white dude, right? Yeah. So, yeah, just, as, just, as a white dude, yes, reading yes. the book, I thought that is really that was really helpful. 
you know, because mm-hmm. I've, you know, just in talking with other white guys, you know, like I hear that a lot, you know, like, why? I, mm-hmm. I don't understand, you know, I, I've experienced racism or what about this racism mm-hmm. or what about this or what about this? Right. And it's like, right. Yeah, but I don't I don't think you understand the context that you, you're not weighing history properly, particularly right. American. And, that's, and, so they, and that's exactly right. And so like in the and in the book, I try to make clear no one is saying that you haven't experienced yeah, racism, that right. that wasn't bad. Like a sin is a sin is a sin. We mm-hmm. all agree. Yeah. And yet, William, we all, there's something that we all kind of, there's like a quiet social contract that we all understand that if I were to call you a cracker on this call, you'd be like, that's weird, but okay. Like, right. but you would never call me or Kenny mm-hmm. the N-word on this call and expect to keep your job. Yeah, so sure. it's just, there is an imbalance just as there's an imbalance between, you know, we want to care for husbands whose wives have abused them. That's a legitimate category. I'm sure as pastors, y'all know, Mm -hmm. you know, we get into some messy waters, some messy marriages, and yet we understand there is a power imbalance that is more common with husbands beating their wives. And so we're focusing and giving more attention on that uh, as a society, as churches, as pastors. Yeah. Asymmetry. Yeah, I thought that was good. <clears throat> yeah. Um, also, when you, when you're kind of talking about talking to Hunter, um, you kind of give this uh, ask this question to Hunter, and I'm going to just quote it directly. It says, "Could it be, my white brother or sister, that you're not the best person to offer that critique of the black community, and that God can use someone else whom the black community might more naturally trust to better speak to their issues?" And and you were talking about earlier about punching right and punching left. Like making yeah. sure that you're, you're you're trying to fight the truth, and I know this is kind of one issue that I have as a black person is, um, how do you you personally offer critique to the black community, and and do you worry about being labeled a a sellout or about your critiques being weaponized by those who don't necessarily have the best interests of the black community at heart? Yeah, that's a great question, man. Um, yeah, I mean. On, on one level, <laughs> the short answer is yes, my goodness. I mean, this is why I I struggled so much in the book, because I feared that kind of critique. Uh, I mean, yeah. writing it was, I think, one of the most acute seasons of spiritual warfare I've ever faced. Mm-hmm. And part of it was fearing those kind of concerns. And yet I just couldn't write a book that said the problem is only with white people. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think that's honest. I don't think that's accurate. Now we can talk about, I like how George Yancey, someone I really look up to in this conversation, mm. uh, talks about, he, George is big on mutual accountability yeah. right. or mutual responsibility. responsibility. Mm. Yeah, mutual. Now he's not saying equal responsibility, hence our conversation right. um, about uh, asymmetry, but he is saying mutual. And if we can't come to the table to be like, look, we've got some things to work on too. And what I'm suggesting is, hey, white folk, why don't y'all talk to some white folk about the problems and We'll talk to some black folk about the problems. Uh, mm-hmm. Our communities kind of naturally trust us more. Uh, I think that's a. I think that's still a worthwhile thing. And I think in God's providence, most people get that. And I've not gotten the kind of pushback that I kind of feared from minorities. If anything, they. I think they understand because I know minorities are speaking truth to each other. Yeah, they have to. That's how humans operate. So, you know, as you, you know, you pastor a historically black church, you were telling your people, y'all need to repent of your sins, whatever those sins may specifically be. Hmm. And, you know, William, you were telling your people, y'all need to repent of your sins. Right. Whatever those sins. And so what I'm trying to do in the book is I just grab 
multiple audiences audiences and say y'all need to repent of your sins Hmm. and you know i think it is geared largely toward our white brothers and sisters uh but there's a lot you know that i'm saying to asians that i'm saying to blacks i'm saying to hispanics Mm -hmm. in the book which makes it a weird thing because often books usually like usually if you talk to everyone you're not talking to anyone but um yeah, man, I just try to say very specifically, I have these a uh, few audiences in mind, hence the kind of short parables. I hope it's more like the gospel of Mark than Luke. You know, Luke is beautiful, but it's it's long. Right. And Mark right. is like, here we go. So yeah. like, here's the story. <laughs> yeah. Right. So yes, immediately. That's going on record as not not actually liking the book of Luke, is that because that's what I heard? Kenny, is that, <laughs> can we tweet? Do I need to tweet that? I'm gonna go ahead and tweet that out. That's right. right. That's right. Isaac yeah. denies. Isaac denies the gospel of Luke. Right. <laughs> He's not. It's not even inerrant. According, right. Right. So well, we yeah, denied inerrancy. Him, denied the gospel. Wow. This went in a different direction. Right. Uh, yeah, that's right. That's uh, so in your, I can uh, hear the theological. I can hear the critiques of. Uh, there, theological it's, it's coming. Theologism. It's coming, brother. Already. Uh, so then. In, in your counsel to Darius, right, who you said, you know, is the black guy, minority culture, right? You focus some on his relationship with his church because he's really yeah. struggling, right? He's kind of going to it. He's going to a, the church is, is attempting, trying to be multi-ethnic, but they've yeah. got some struggles, right? They're not, it's not, um, it's not some, some Predominantly places white not, church. Yeah, some places are not working. So what do you feel like are some of the bigger challenges that you see in those who, uh, in those efforts of trying to be multi-ethnic? as a church. Yeah, man, I've been thinking about this and I think it's even crystallized since I wrote the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, you know how like you preach the sermon and then you're like, dang, I wish I would have said that. like, now mm-hmm. it's actually clear. Now I actually feel ready to preach the sermon. Right. Sure, yeah. Um, here it is. And I think this is, you know, it's probably the first podcast I've said this on, but I think it's accurate. Um, One of the main difficult, the reason it's so important to understand history in this conversation and asymmetry is because I find today you have a lot of white people willing to try what y'all have said, what y'all by God's grace have done, integration and all of these things. Um, And the problem right now is, and it's not even the problem, but the, the challenge right now is not white willingness. That was the challenge. historically Mm -hmm. uh we don't want y'all in our churches we don't want y'all in our communities we will even i mean so deep william and kenny so deep was the commitment to white supremacy that people left their churches they left their neighborhoods to go build new ones Mm -hmm. so that we would not have to be here with these people yeah so that our kids wouldn't marry their kids right and we will even write it into the fine print of our real estate covenants to Mm -hmm. so as to prevent this right And, you know, you had white churches that were the last line of resistance to integration because the government could have forced them. They're voluntary associations, unlike, you know, federal schools or whatever it may be. So the problem then was white willingness. That's not the problem anymore. Now what you have is black reluctance. Oh, yeah. And you have, I find a lot of white people being like, I want to have the conversation. I I want to integrate. And it's not that blacks are hesitant. I think you walk into a black church, William, you, you receive the warmest welcome, mm, right? Sure. Yeah. But I think 
you have blacks who have been historically so mistreated they're like why would i go there this is the one safe place for me Mm, why would i leave this church right and so i and then on top of that i think a lot of these white well-meaning churches are like we want our church to be more diverse we want we want people to come to us Mm. uh and i think black people have been doing that for a long time Mm. and so what i say is that what if greater than getting, what if a greater concern was rather than having people come to you on your terms, you actually teach your people how to go to other spaces where they're in the minority. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you want that reconciliation so bad, then you should go to the, mm-hmm. you should go instead of making people come to you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I think a book that really speaks to this well, Cry the Beloved Country, which is a beautiful book about kind of apartheid in South Africa, another novel mm-hmm. um, uh, by Alan Payton. And, you know, one person from the minority culture is speaking and he says, I fear that by the time whites turn to kindness and love, we will have been so mistreated, so, so, so relegated to poverty, so all of these things that we will be too tired to love them in return. Mm, yeah. And so I that is the grand challenge. I mean, what do we do? What do we do when it's not just that we were separate but equal and all we need to do is cross the street. I mean, our communities were planned to be segregated by the governing authorities. Yeah. Mm. And so it takes, you don't get out of that rabbit hole the same way you climb down it. Right. Yeah. And so that's why, you know, again, another mini sermon here, but here we go. You know, we, that's why it's so important to understand the complexity of this issue, because you see that, you know, racial, racial issues are not molehills, they're mountains. They're, we're at the foot of Everest right now. Yeah. So what do we do? Well, I think the first thing we must do is do what Jesus told us to do at the foot of the mountains. Right. Pray to me. And that thing will, I'll topple that thing into the water. Ask me. And I'm sure in y'all's journey, in y'all's history, there was a lot of prayer. Mm. And look at what Jesus has done. And it's, I'm sure y'all would be the first to say it's not easy. Yeah. Um, and it's not complete, but it's something. Right. And That's right. So those are some of the challenges I would, I would see today. <clears throat> good yeah good so in uh in chapter nine of the book you you give some biblical practical advice for how we can have conversations about race and you're encouraged readers to um kind of focus locally uh in these conversations and even when like a racial tragedy strikes to to kind of focus in locally uh why do you think that's important and and what do you think is the best way for us to do that yeah, man. Can I just first encourage y'all for reading the whole book? Bless yeah. you guys. <laughs> yeah. uh, and, uh, oh, no, man. Right. An, author, an author can always tell when an interviewer has not read the whole book. Oh, man. Uh, and <laughs> and uh, I, I'm encouraged by that, or at least yes. you skimmed very well. I was about well. to say, we skimmed um, the middle and just oh, we man. read the, like, the first chapter yeah. the last chapter, right? In the so last chapter, like, there you yeah, go. No, we didn't there do that. No, didn't. no, we read the whole thing, <laughs> That's good, brother. It's great. Got, got pages That's of notes. <laughs> Answered Praise the Lord, questions man. at the end, like, come yes. on, man. Yes. There you go. Yeah, well, okay. challenge. There we go. Yeah, was there good. We go. Right. Well, you know, like, you know, I don't, I mean, y'all are probably godlier than me. I'm sure you are. 
I never answer the questions at ends of chapters. Like, I'm just like, oh, yeah, I've got things to do. And so that's why I had to say, answer them. <laughs> right. Yes. Yeah, you put that emphasis on there. I was like, I can't get away with it. Know, he, he right? I'm trying, I am trying to bind some conscience. I'm trying to bind some <laughs> right. conscience to you. Oh, to do your question. Oh, yeah. Okay, locally. Yeah, man. I mean... Again, I mean, just the, the wisdom of the Bible is so profound. Mm. Uh, you know, when God says, shepherd the flock of God that is among you. Yeah. Right. Mm. And it's like he knew the Internet was coming. Like, it's <laughs> like, you know, so I'm just not interested. I think a lot of us naturally read Twitter and project whatever whatever's happening on Twitter is necessarily happening in our churches. Right. Yeah, that's good. Now, I'm sure on no small level you know, that can be representative of many common experiences, but that's not necessarily the case. And I think we, we sit back and kind of theorize and deal in abstractions and fight on Facebook when it's like, man, just go to some part of your community that needs help and do something. I find the people who are actually doing something aren't sitting there being like, what can I do? They're doing something. They're involved in the YMCA. They're involved in the local pregnancy center. They're involved. And so like, again, it's not, the point is not to fix the issue because you can't, and it's too big for you. It's too big for our lifetime. We're talking about centuries of oppression and we're going to undo that overnight. So I just don't, that's just not a a working, um, a working mindset, like that, a, a mindset that can work. Um, a valid option. What we need to do is, you know, our job isn't to fix the world, but to faithfully follow the one who will. And so we want to be doing that. And what you want to, Jesus said to love your neighbor, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, y'all are my neighbors, right? You're my brothers. But there are issues in Missouri, you know, you know, Michael Brown shooting is going to land different there than it is here in Birmingham. And so I'm trying to do some things in Birmingham. I tell people all the time, I'm just going, I'm just getting tired of traveling, honestly, and speaking places. Like this is straight because I can stay home, but like, I want to do stuff in Birmingham. And so, um, yeah, man. So I just think uh, we want to be locally present and the temptation of the internet is to be omnipresent and only God is omnipresent. Yeah, that's right. So we want to be, uh, maybe to put a bone, I'd say it like this. I hope I'm not doing anything nationally that I'm not actually about locally. Mm, good. good. And I think a lot of us, that's a temptation for yep. a lot of us is yeah. to be out there mm. online but to not be there in flesh mm. and Jesus came in the flesh. Like, so just like, we've, we've got to minister locally. So yeah. whatever is the issue at y'all's local high school or, lo- y'all, mm. you know, local community is different than mine and that's okay. And mm. so care about the people who are in front of you and don't treat them like, Oh, you're just representative of the people who annoy me on Twitter. Yeah. It's like yeah. that's not accurate, and your vision is probably off at that point. Yeah, right. that's good. That's good. Yeah, man, great word. We could continue to talk. I mean, just so many good, so many good stuff good and good, word. good uh, pois, um, places in the book to kind of uh, dive into. But we do, uh, we do, we have a tradition of always closing with a crazy yes. question. So, yeah. um, so obviously, the book is about kind of having a conversation, difficult, working through difficult conversation. The the conversation around race can often be difficult. And and yeah. it can often be 
just kind of awkward uh, and mm-hmm. weird and are unexpected or, you know, just like that wasn't expecting that to happen. So can you give our, so our crazy question for today, brother, is have you ever had a time where your conversation was awkward between a person of another race where it just kind of yes. got weird? Yeah, hundred. Uh, pick pick one for us and share, so we can all laugh and have a good time right. at your expense. So this yes. one happened. This happened two days ago. Okay. Okay. So yes. Good. Yes. I'm out to lunch with this, um, with a Hispanic brother who I don't know very well. We're out. Mm-hmm. So we're out to lunch, and we're talking. We're getting to know each other. He's you know he's been attending my church, and um he tells me and it's kind of loud we're like we both Mm -hmm. laugh because we were eating at this bar and we're like we don't we did not intend to like eat at a bar but here we are uh and so he he's telling me about his past and all this and he's like and i ran track in college uh Mm -hmm. and i ran track in high school so i was like cool what races and i i think he didn't hear me like i think he just heard like races (laughs) so he like pauses awkwardly (laughs) and he's like uh because we're like yeah he's like ecuadorian and honduran or something and i was like what and he's like i'm i'm like part ecuadorian i'm part honduran and i was like no, no no i don't mean race like i mean what and he was like oh you mean events and i was like yes like 400 100 200 and so we laughed that and it was just like great. it was just such like uh yeah man i just I think most, you know, one last encouragement, and I promise I'm done. I think most of our conversations are probably awkward yes. in this room. Yes. And I think that's okay because love is awkward. There we go. Yeah. That's good. And, lean into the know, awkward, right? Just got to lean into it's it. It's just like, you've never not, I mean, you have plenty of awkward moments with your wife. It's mm, just like, here right. we are. Yeah. This is awkward, but yeah. I love you. Uh, so that's good. So yeah, man. That, but I, I did laugh at that. Like I was like, "What is he talking about? Like, <laughs> why is he bringing up?" And he clearly felt so like, "Why is he asking me that?" Right. So I think that we're talking about track. Why are you talking about that? <laughs> yeah. Like, why are you like? Why are you bringing? Like, I'm just talking about athletic. Right. Me what race I am. I'm like, that is great. Like, yeah. So. Uh, thus, that's the problems before us. Right? There you go. Yes. That's why we need the book, right? Yeah. That's why you need to read the book. Amen. Right. Amen. So, so hey, brother, thanks so much for coming on with us, man. We really appreciate uh, your answers, and again, we appreciate the book. We um, we just can't encourage our listeners enough. If you if you haven't read it, to to grab a copy. Uh, we'll try to we'll try to put some links uh, in our in the notes to so that you can uh, find the copy uh, find a copy of the book and grab it. And so, man, we just encourage you guys to listen. And uh, we will catch up with you next week. God bless you. Thanks so much for listening to the Diversity and Fellowship Podcast. If you want to join the discussion, please send us your questions and your comments to diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. That's diversityandfellowship at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, keep laboring by God's grace to be a faithful display of how the power of the gospel unites us in Christ.